Welcome to the fourth and the final week of our message series called Honey in the Rock. The title of this series comes from the song that we'll sing at the end of Mass, and the lyrics go like this. There's honey in the rock, rotter in the stone, manna on the ground, no matter where I go. I don't need to worry now that I know everything I need you've got. There's honey in the rock. This image comes from the end of Psalm 81, and Psalm 81 is a reminder that God will always provide for us, his people. Even if it's in ways that we don't want or don't expect, God's provision will never fail us. Believe it or not, Lent begins this Wednesday, and the schedule for the Ash Wednesday Masses is in the worship aid. And then on the first Sunday of Lent, which is one week from today, we're gonna begin a new message series called Rebuilt Faith. Through the lens of the gospel, we are going to dive into themes from a new book called, just that, Rebuilt Faith. You probably can't read it from down there, but the subtitle is A Handbook for Skeptical Catholics. The book is meant to be read over the period of 40 days, so we think it is the perfect practice to enrich your Lent. We've got 300 copies, so you can pick one up at Mass next week, and next week would also, then we'd say, be a good time if you wanted to invite someone new to join you at church. To different degrees, we all have problems that we want God to solve. Maybe they're legitimately big problems or maybe they're just problems that feel big to us. But every problem that you and I face has been foreseen by God. And God doesn't just see the problem, God sees the solution too. However, the solution that God sees may may not be the solution that you want or the solution that you expect. For instance, maybe you've heard the story. There was a big flood somewhere, and a man, to escape the flood, climbed up on top of the roof of his house, and he prayed to God for help. Soon a rowboat, a, yeah, rowboat came, and the man from the rowboat yelled, jump in, I can save you. And then the man on the top of the, of the, uh, the roof said, I'm okay, I'm praying to God, and God's going to save me. So the man in the rowboat shrugged his shoulders and rowed off. The water kept rising. Now a motorboat came, and the man from the motorboat yelled up to the man on the roof as the water was rising. He said, jump in, I can save you. And the man on the roof said, no, no, I'm praying, and God is going to save me. So he shrugged his shoulders, and he jetted off. Now, finally, the the water has risen. It's at like the tippity top of the roof. The man is just standing there and a helicopter flies by. The pilot throws out a rope and he says, grab the rope, I can take you to safety. And the man says, no thank you. I'm praying to God and he's going to save me. I think you know where this is going. So the man drowned. (laughs) He goes to heaven and he says, God, what happened? I prayed for you to save me and you let me drown. And then God looks at me and says, what are you talking about? I sent you a rowboat, a motorboat, and a helicopter. What else did you want? (sighs) 
God always provides for us, but not always in the way that we want or the way we expect. Sometimes we want something miraculous or extraordinary to be the solution to our problems, but more often than not, God uses the ordinary to give us what we need. Like the encouragement we get from his word, the help that we get from family, friends, and others, and even the growth and strength that comes from persevering through difficulties. God always hears our prayers, but he only answers our prayers in one of three ways. Yes, not yet, or I've got something better for you. Another person put it like this. Sometimes they said prayer changes things, but other times prayer changes us. Part of our human frailty is that we have a tendency to only see the things that are right before us. We lose sight of the fact that God has the whole world in his hands and that he never forgets and he never loses sight of us, even though sometimes it might feel like God is distant. God always provides for us, but sometimes how he provides for us is only clear with the benefit of hindsight. And I think a lot of the things that we suffer in life, especially the big things, they're only gonna make sense to us when we get to heaven and we see them with God's eyes. For instance, at Thanksgiving a few years ago, I was at my, with my family and we were going around the table sharing blessings that we had experienced that year. One family member shared an unexpected blessing. The blessing, he said, was losing his job. Sure, he was crushed by the experience at the time, but he said it turned into a blessing because it was the prelude to him finding his current job where he found greater fulfillment. Romans 8 28, one of my favorite scripture verses says this, all things work together for good for those who love God and are called according to his plan. All things work together for the good for those who love God and are called according to his plan. And that is you and that is me. Everything that happens to us, good and bad, has been taken up by God into his plan for us. There is one virtue, however, that is required for us to rely on God's provision, especially in the difficult moments when God doesn't provide for us the way we want or expect. And we see this virtue very clearly in the gospel that we just heard, we read. A leper came to Jesus and kneeling down, begged him and said, if you wish, you can make me clean in kneeling down and in begging, the leper gives us a profound example of this virtue, which is humility. Humility is the recognition that God is everything and we are nothing. The humble person is grounded in the truth of their utter dependence. The greater your humility, the greater your trust can be in God, and the less your trust is in yourself, which is good because we're all broken 
and prone to fail. On the flip side, though, in different ways, we get puffed up with our pride. And pride keeps us from trusting in God because it puts a limit on what God can do in us. We heard this in the gospel. You know, the man, he said, I only want you to save me in this way. Pride does not look to God and pride does not look to others. Pride looks to oneself. It is like a straitjacket. Pride says, I want it my way, when really what we should always do is pray, thy will be done. At the time of Jesus, the disease of leprosy was incurable, and if one caught it, it was only going to get progressively worse. Sometimes people who were stricken with leprosy were called, perhaps um, there's a lot of sense in this, called the walking dead, because they were walking, as it were, with a death sentence. And when the fathers of the church read these passages of the New Testament of leprosy, they always view leprosy as being an image or kind of an analogy for, for sin, the sin that each of us carries. And since we cannot heal our sinfulness on our own, we need to turn to Jesus because Jesus always wants to heal our weaknesses and he always wants to heal our sins. If you turn to Jesus with humility, he will speak to you those same words which he spoke to the leper. I do will it be made clean. While it may not always be the way you want or expect, Jesus always provides for us, his people. And all of us are always going to have needs because it's a part of our broken humanity. Maybe it's a strained relationship. Maybe it's a lingering loneliness. Maybe it's financial trouble or a recurrent sin. Whatever it is, we all carry these things that need healing. So, in humility, what do you want to ask Jesus to heal you of? 